This is The Point, professional investing in Australia with Pendle. Welcome to The Point podcast from Pendle. Is inflation under control yet? It doesn't seem to be. Does the Reserve Bank need to take more action on interest rates? How high could they go? To help us find an answer with those imponderables, I welcome today Oliver G, Assistant Portfolio Manager with Pendle's Income and Fixed Interest Team. Oliver, welcome back to The Point. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Sean. So is it fair to say inflation isn't under control yet? Absolutely, Sean. I don't think inflation is anywhere near where the RBA would like to see it. I think we're in a state of the economy where there is still a lot more for the RBA to do. I think at 4.10, we're still at least a couple of hikes away. And depending on where wages inflation prints later this month, I think possibly we may follow the path of New Zealand or the UK into the the 5.5%, possibly 6% region. So a bit of an uncomfortable one for certain Australians who are who are doing it tough. But, but yeah, the sad truth is there is a lot more to do. In the pipeline. Why is it that we haven't been able to get inflation under control yet? Yeah, so look, there's three things to unpack here. Firstly, the Australian economy is just demonstrating a level of resilience that's greatly surpassed most expectations. Secondly, the core element, there there seems to be a wage price spiral in certain aspects of inflation that continues to channel within the CPI basket. So it persists at a a level that warrants concern. And the third thing is that despite market chatter about the potential fallout from high interest rates, particularly, you know, for mortgage holders, our analysis shows that Australians on aggregate aren't as vulnerable as one might assume. Okay, so so basically the shifts in rates we've had so far won't impact the economy as much as perhaps other people think they will. Yeah, that's right. So look, I mean, if I were to elaborate on each of the three points I talked about, so starting with the first one about the strength of the Australian economy, I mean, if I look at the job market, it's incredibly robust, right? Not only is unemployment near 50-year lows, but opportunities are, are plentiful. There's virtually one job for every Australian that needs one. And, and you know, add to the fact that participation rate is also at historic highs, and you get a picture for how strong the labour demand is in this country. Now, you might well think, well, this is probably to do with all that pent-up consumer demand, and, and you'd be right. But the way we catered for this demand wasn't just through the traditional channel of you know, companies bringing on more people, but, but there was also this new segment of, of sole traders and, you know, side hustle entrepreneurs, if you will, that integrated themselves into the consumer supply chain. So, for instance, over the last couple of years, there's been a big surge in e-commerce, e-commerce style enterprises like dropshipping, which effectively serve as, you know, digital stores to link consumers and suppliers. Uh, it's hard, low margin work, but people are attracted to the benefit of supplementing the nine to five incomes with this sort of work. Now, while I can't give you an exact estimate of how many people are in the e-commerce game, I can tell you that because of the increased demand for warehousing, distribution, and inventory management, you know, companies like Amazon have doubled their workforce to over like one and a half million people post the pandemic. So that's an increase of around 800,000 jobs in just three years for one company. Okay. So that, that, that's the resilience of the economy. What about the wage price spiral? Well, before I head on to that point, which is really to do with inflation by itself, I want to just quickly touch on possibly the more controversial one around household strength. 
And mm-hmm. I have to be careful here because I'm conscious what I'm about to say isn't representative of all situations, but rather the average one. Yep. And so here goes. The, the, the truth is the average mortgage holder mm-hmm. in this country isn't being crushed by the burden of increased repayments. This fixed rate cliff, as they called it, you know, was supposed to be a death blow to households and it hasn't materialized to the extent feared. You know, loan defaults remain low. Meanwhile, household expenses seem reasonably under control as well. If we look at the data as a whole, Australians spend only 6% of disposable income on dwelling interest costs. I mean, that's it. Like, we spend more on hotels, cafes, and restaurants than we do paying interest on home loans. And, you know, on top of that, the housing market is staging a remarkable turnaround. So, and and despite a 10% drawdown, residential property prices are starting to climb again, you know, suggesting that homeowners aren't deterred by higher interest rates. I mean... This could be famous last words, but from what I can see, the vast majority of Aussie borrowers aren't in financial stress. So the idea that the RBA can't hike more because, you know, the most interest rate sensitive cohort might collapse is, for the moment, uh, a myth. And frankly, you know, in, in my eyes, mortgage stress or mortgagee stress typically arise when there is both a lack of stable income and negative home equity. And we really don't have either of those today. Okay. So that's moving the lens onto inflation. Look, I'm concerned that the rate of consumer price growth is still running too hot for comfort. You know, there's a good chance we'll see consumer prices running above 6% year on year in the June print. And you have to wonder whether that level is going to be enough for the RBA to hit the pause button for the cycle. Now, I've already said I don't think so. You know, I think it's hard to envision the RBA standing pat in the environment where inflation's at 30-year highs. Um, right now, market expectations are for one and a half more hikes taking the policy rate to around 4.5%. However, if wage growth surprises to the upside, and keep in mind we're already at reasonable, like relative highs compared to history, you know, we could see more aggressive tightening, similar to, as I said, what we've seen in New Zealand or potentially the UK. So think 5.5%, possibly even 6%. Okay. So, so uh, what's the likelihood of that we're going to end up with, uh, you know, two, three, four more rate hikes, Oliver? Well, there's a very good chance we'll still we'll see probably one or two, yep. which, you know, is already kind of, as I said, baked into market pricing. The likelihood of us going into 5%, possibly 6%, is, I would say, around 25%. So it's not exactly overwhelming, but it is material because wage inflation in this country still it hasn't been tempered. And keep in mind, wage inflation is one of the more lagging indicators that we have out there, and it tends to follow inflation by about six, possibly nine months. So whilst inflation has kind of peaked and turning lower, wage inflation will still keep tracking higher. And that's something the RBA talks a lot about and will reference quite a bit in both their policy and speeches. So it's quite an important one to, to watch out for. Oliver, thank you for talking to The Point. Thank you very much for having me. That was Oliver G, Assistant Portfolio Manager with Pendle's Income and Fixed Interest Team at Pendle. You've been listening to The Point podcast from Pendle. I'm Sean Aylmer. 